Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we're going live with a regular season recap. So hello to everyone in the chat joining us. A quick reminder before we get into all these games. Follow us on Twitter for all news and updates at Attacking Third. We also have a TikTok and an Instagram now, so you can follow us across all three platforms at Attacking Third for highlights, cool graphics, breaking news, and so much more. We're also available as video. Subscribe at youtube.com slash attacking third. We only had <laughs> we only had four games to cover this weekend, Lisa, but it they were all eventful. And we're well, gonna have to chat about all of them. You were on a couple of the calls. It was well, great Sandra, to hear you. Technically, technically, we had five games to cover, well, but only four re- or four regular season matches. Yes, yeah. this is true. This is yeah, true. Yeah. Um, how, how you doing, pal? How, how you doing this evening? <laughs> I am doing great. The Philadelphia 76ers just won. Um, and I'm in South Florida, so all the people I was with at the studio were um cheering for Miami and <laughs> Philly just won. So heck yeah, go Sixers. James Harden had a knockout night. Love to see that. And Joel Embiid with his Batman mask. I mean, we're loving it. Go Philly. I love that for you. I love that for my friend. We're all about friends supporting friends here. So go Sixers, <laughs> right on. I wonder what that's like, not uh, you know, being able to win games in the NBA playoffs. Pretty, pretty awesome, I hear. I hear that's pretty great stuff. I hope one day to be a part of that soon. We'll see what happens. But uh, we're to chat about some NWSL action. We're doing a regular season recap of the matches that took place this weekend. And you're right, Lisa, there were, there were actually five NWSL games that we had to chat. But in terms of the regular season action, we had one game take place on Saturday. We had a triple header just close out Sunday for us. And uh, the Challenge Cup final that also took place on Saturday. But uh, we went live with a pregame and a postgame of the Challenge Cup final. Uh, so if folks want to go ahead and uh, relive that, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and chat about the regular season games that ended up taking place. Portland Thorns and Chicago Red Stars, not a part of this regular season weekend because of the Challenge Cup final that took place between North Carolina and the Washington Spirit. So let's get into it. Saturday, the lone match, San Diego Wave FC versus New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. What a time. Kicking off Mother's Day weekend. Alex Morgan putting up four on Gotham FC. Wave FC undefeated in the regular (laughs) season. We're two weeks in. It's a madness. Let's talk about it. Alex Morgan putting on a show for everybody in San Diego. And Gotham FC. uh, Yeah. 
Yeah. I just, we're going to talk about it. We're yeah, going to we talk about it. Lisa, 4-0. I think let's just start at the beginning. We did a preview of this. We said, let's make our picks. We said we think the Wave are going to take mm-hmm. this one. So shout out to the Wave for coming through Clutch and making us feel like geniuses. Uh, but I don't know if if we were the type of show that it's like, let's make a pick and let's put a scoreline on it. I don't know if we would have had 4-0. No, I can tell you I wouldn't have. I would love to uh, kind of cheat this and lie and say I would have. But no, there's no way I would have guessed 4-0 on this one. What an incredible match for San Diego. I mean, uh, uh, there was a lot of things missing with Gotham, lacking from the Gotham side of things. But that does not overshadow how well San Diego played because this was phenomenal. Two of Alex Morgan's goals were penalty kicks. So despite Morgan having four on the night for San Diego, two of them were really caused by her teammates. Amir Ali coming in and and moments later drawing this type of foul that leads to a penalty kick. It was a collective effort. The defensive efforts from San Diego were there. We know how high Casey Stoney is on defense and defensive structure and organization and making sure that defense comes first. It starts with the forwards. It's all 11 players defending. And we, we really saw that from San Diego. I'm sure Casey Stoney was proud after that match not only for a player like Alex Morgan to net four goals I mean that's a record for an expansion team and and for her and and then to do it in style still get a clean sheet um, and a win at home too in the regular season back to back I mean truly impressive match in this one but the the goal the scoring really all in the second half so much of the games so far this year in the regular season have been quick goals that we've seen, but the penalty kick coming in the stoppage time at the end of the first half for Alex Morgan getting on the board first and then not again until the 66th minute. Um, But what did you see from this match in in particular? What what are your thoughts on this one? Because there's a lot. Madness. I saw madness (laughs) happening uh, in this one. I'm I'm with you 100%. Like I I pitched that to you and said, hey, if we had to put a scoreline on it, is this one that you would have predicted? I'm with you. I probably wouldn't have predicted something this high either. If there were four goals in this match, maybe we would have thought it was a 2-2 draw. Maybe we would have thought it was a 3-1. Uh, but I don't know if it was going to be a 4-0 uh, blowout in this one. Uh, I guess we're talking, obviously, about the victors in this match. And 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 we should be, right? With the victors come the spoils. Uh, Alex Morgan having a career night, quite frankly, now is, is yeah. in the history. But she was making records as this game was, you know, pr- progressing throughout the evening. At one point, she became... Yes, the only the third player in the NWSL's decade-long history to have a four-goal game. So she is now in the record books alongside uh, Hamilton and uh, Sam Kerr. And those are two players who had those type of games. I still think about those games. And I'm like, I'm still going to be – I'm then here's another one. I'm still going to be thinking about this game from Alex Morgan. But San Diego and what they were presenting on the pitch this day and perhaps – what little we were seeing from Gotham, I think, is the is the story of the overall match here because we're we're talking about, I mean, my God, San Diego ended this game with thirty one shots, 
31 shot attempts. It's kind of like uh, 17, 17 of those shot attempts in the first half coming from yes. inside in the box. Alex, Alex Morgan herself. Again, we're talking about records. Alex Morgan herself creating a new stat line, uh, getting 14, recording 14 of those shots uh, on, on her own, 13 of which were inside the box. Yeah, It's just it's it's yes we this is like a common thread it's like a song that i don't really enjoy this one is actually not my jam what we're about to go into here when we're talking about gotham it's it's early we keep hearing a lot of that uh around this gotham fc side they've now been together for players reported in market february one right uh we've had a preseason that's taken place we've had a challenge cup that's taken place, and we've now had two matches of regular season NWSL play for the Gotham FC side here, and we're again exiting a match where there are still questions around this side. I, I mean, just I where the the midfield is you is having you being at a loss for words is pretty much the epitome of what Gotham put I'm, out on the it's pitch. like we're, we're all we're, we're being yes. asked to talk about Gotham and it's like we're 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 reaching a little bit we're like well maybe it's this or maybe it's that and, yeah. and, and we're mean, just we're just not seeing it their midfield was non-existent someone in the chat it's just Austin asking do you think San Diego played well played amazing or it was Gotham that didn't play well and Honestly, it's both of these things because yeah. I, I think that against any other opponent, if Gotham had this game um, that they played, it would still be a really bad result. They weren't connecting in the midfield. The midfield wasn't controlling any part of the game. Anamanu up top, along with Purse, did not find the ball nearly enough. Paige Monahan, a forward for Gotham, was playing incredible defensiveness, defensive defense all over the pitch and, and tracking back so much that she became the player of the game for Gotham because of her defensive efforts. It, it was just nothing in the midfield. They were getting destroyed in the midfield. And when you look at San Diego, they really played so well. I think against any other team, if San Diego had that match, they would have had a very similar outcome yeah. in getting the win. So it, it was San Diego playing very well. One of the strongest performances yeah. we have seen from them mm -hmm. um, over leaps and bounds of their other really good performances, but Gotham not connecting, not finding any type of rhythm with the ball at their feet. I mean, how often did Christy Mewis touch the ball? How often was she on it? Because in a match like this, she needs to be on the ball so frequently, getting it every single time they're building up their attack. And Mewis just didn't touch it. She wasn't influential in this match at all. Yeah, it's just it's there's a disconnect there. 38 total touches for Mewis yeah. over the course of 90 minutes against the San Diego side. And uh, just there's this we saw even in some of these goals. I mean, at one point, Zerboni kind of getting posted up in one of these highlight reels. It, it was a tough, tough. That was bad. Zerboni needs to clear the ball. If, yes. if she I mean, Zerboni had a tough game in this match. I mean, it, the, one of the penalty kicks, that was a sloppy foul against Zerboni coming in late on that tackle and then not being able to clear the ball and Morgan just strips her from it. Um, yes, two of the goals were penalty kicks. And and I, honestly, I don't think that's a credit to Alex Morgan. I mean, yes, for knocking them down, but it's the players that drew those penalty kicks. And yeah. that doesn't happen without sloppy defense from Gotham. I'm with you. I think it, 
because if we're going to bring in the this sort of argument, this neutral argument or this neutral point of it's early in the season, mm-hmm. teams are still sort of figuring things out. If we're bringing that in and sort of looking at that on both sides of the pitch, perhaps it is a little bit of combination of both things where San Diego finding themselves overperforming on a certain night or Gotham underperforming on a certain night. I mean, even yes, we're talking about the fact that there were 31 shots and we're talking about Morgan having 14 of those 13 of which were inside the box. But when we're looking at attempts on target, maybe a little bit of a difference, maybe that can cool that off a little bit of the 13 shot attempts. You're talking about nine on target for the wave eight shots for Gotham four of which were on target. So maybe it is a combo of both of those things. And if, if we are looking at this neutral argument of the fact that, Oh, it's early, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is the time to see adjustments a little bit there. You, you can't look at the availability report for, for Gotham and say like, Oh, they really could use somebody like Ali Long. Well, guess what? She's going to be out for quite yes. some time because she's out uh, expecting twins. So it's, it's going to be a little while. Yeah. Like she's not coming back for this match or for this season by any means. And uh, although as fans, we didn't know that about Allie Long, that she was out for maternity leave. It just said excused absence for so long on those availability reports. Gotham knew that. They had seen her. They had talked with her. So yeah. there needs to be different problem solving about how you're going to string passes together in the midfield and, and really where that possession is going to come from. And frankly, you have yeah. to get the ball to Purse and to Anamano. Yeah, I'm also just a little curious about this too because we're seeing – you know, we're, we're looking at a Gotham FC side that got a, a pretty hefty win in their opening weekend, but it was against an Orlando Pride team that ha- was in the same group as them. We're talking about two teams that struggled in the East region, Gotham and Orlando Pride. They had very not impressive challenge cups compared to the other 10 teams uh, during the same competition. And then you have a San Diego wave team that we started to maybe see some areas of individual growth throughout the pitch. And I think we're starting to see that translate a little bit in these early weeks of the, uh, of the regular season. But the end of the day, the numbers aren't lying and we're seeing them. We're posting them up. We're sharing them with the listeners. And it is uh, three points for San Diego. And they are sitting pretty in week two on top of the standings after this 4-0 win against Gotham FC. It was Let's- a little bit of a joke on on. Saturday night, like, oh, San Diego's at the top of the standings <laughs> because there's no other regular season games to come until Sunday. Uh, but they stay atop of the standings come Sunday night. Well, let's well let's talk about it. Let's, so we had a triple header for Sunday to kind of close things out. We got to start with Kansas City Current versus Houston Dash. Lisa, you were on the call for this one. Uh, Houston walking away with the victory in, in this one. We're going to get a chance to talk about how we were incorrect <laughs> in terms of our picks. We both, uh, I think, went for the current in this match. But, uh, yeah, Houston Dash, you know, got to say, just on, on paper, just considering, you know, everything that the club is going through right now at the moment and how they also opened up. How both how they finished their Challenge Cup and how they opened up their regular season to get a two zero result in the second week of the of the season, I think is a, a pretty good bounce back. I think for both the mental side of the game for some of these players mm-hmm. uh, on the dash, but two zero. Lisa, I got I got to pick your brain on this. You're on the call. What what were you seeing uh, out of Houston in, in this match that gave them the victory? 
so Houston in the past historically has been a little bit of a run and gun team because they have so many weapons up top. And when you have Rachel Daly in the front line, yeah, you want to play that ball over the top and find her there, but they've been dropping Daly back into the midfield. Shea groom, uh, not getting the start in this match and Daly playing at, at that number 10, that attacking midfield role, which is a different role for her. And they'll, then they have a bam, Nichelle and Sanchez up, top um michelle prince up top and so that gives a different look to houston but they didn't push that much in transition really as the nwsl goes it's a transitional league and this match was slow comparatively because neither side was looking to go in transition as as much as they wanted um as this match started kansas city controlled the first 20 minutes of this game it it took houston a while to get in the rhythm of this to figure out where this match was going to go um but another penalty kick lines up two in the San Diego match for San Diego. And then another one in this game, um, it was a pretty tough tackle by Elizabeth ball against Michaela bomb. And I, I, I don't even know about this one. It was like, on the way I'm, I'm asking you to take off your, your broadcast analyst hat right now. Now I want you to look at this play as a so, defender, Elizabeth ball and this call in the box. Talk to me about it. I, I don't think it was a penalty kick. It's I'm tough, not going to lie. It? It's because a tough call. So at the initial watching of this live, I didn't think so at all. And then as we watched the replay, I was like, well, maybe did she give her a two-hand shove? However, if you look at the positioning of the referee and where Ball's hands would have shoved her, you, the referee couldn't have seen the hand. So it, despite the shove coming from the hand, I don't know. I, I don't honestly don't think this was a penalty kick. Um, Elizabeth Ball is – a top-notch defender. She knows how to move her feet. She got the ball initially, and then it. She stood there. Um, I whatever it was I, called. I, I, listen, there's a lot. Of, I, I'm with you. I'm with there's you. There's a I'm lot of. I'm with you with the same perspective of taking a look at the call. But I mean, it's difficult because we have different angles, right? We're not the exactly. officials calling it in real time. Uh, but you could see the reaction on ball. She's like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah. And tough. and of all the tough referee calls this weekend, this is like the least of the worries. Like, yeah. I, In terms of like safety of players and things Uh, like that, like whatever, give this penalty kick there. Um, And of course, Rachel Daly knocks it down. She's six for six penalty kicks across NWSL play that leads the league for penalty kicks taken and scored 100% right there for Rachel Daly. No wonder she steps up and takes it. And that's the the difference maker in this match because um, that changed the momentum for Houston throughout this game completely. They were starting to get chances after that. This goal coming um, towards the end of the first half in the 40th minute in the last five minutes, it was all Houston in the attacking end, just continuing to go towards goal and get on the end of it. Um, but this was an interesting game because it wasn't super fast paced, which we have seen from Houston in the past. It really all depends against the competition they're playing against, I think. And and now having an acting head coach and Sarah Loudon stepping in for the dash as well changes things a little bit. The, the dash getting a little bit of an, an insurance goal there in the end of, of stoppage time previously. Oh, that was. Can I talk about that for a second? Please. Because now that I'm taking my broadcaster I'll hat off again, there's something like three minutes of stoppage time added on to this game. And it, if I'm trying to put myself in the referee's shoes, she was thinking, okay, Kansas City, they're getting a lot of opportunities. I'm going to keep it playing. It ended up being like four and a half, five and a half minutes added on, like two and a half extra minutes of stoppage time. And it 
probably in favor of Kansas City. And ultimately, Houston ends up scoring another goal. So it's like the double dagger in Kansas City's heart because they could have lost this one just 1-0 if the official stopped it at the end of the three minutes of stoppage time. But that didn't happen. Play continued out uh, at that was like brutal to watch. I felt so bad for Kansas City in that match. Well, let's, of let's, that, I mean, let's chat a little bit about him because it just sort of felt like there were moments in this match where they were kind of presenting a little bit of the better of play. Yeah. And we thought, thought at any time there was going to be an opportunity, maybe things were going to get leveled between the two of them. But in terms of attempts on target, pretty even. Uh, Kansas City with five, Houston with four. Uh, it's really the shot attempts, I think, where there's where there's the difference. But Kansas City current coming off of a Challenge Cup where we saw some some kind of intriguing things from this club and and maybe the beginnings of what we thought were going to be some certain bits of their team identity. And and now in week two of the regular season, they're they're over two coming off of a couple yeah. tough losses to start off this weekend. So. Maybe to close out for for this segment of the game, what, what do you think Kansas City has to get back to, or what do you think they need to do to maybe try to get to get a result in the regular season? I mean, losing a number of players due to injury, at least Bennett not available in this match, was yeah. a really big Great. loss. I, I honestly think that player rotation throughout this match wasn't. Um, that great for Matt Potter. That's something that I was keyed in on. I mean, there's only so much you can do and change with a quick turnaround, but bringing Jenna Weinbrenner off at the halftime uh, changed things a little bit because then Elizabeth Ball gets a bit of an injury and they have to take her off as well. So then your back line has completely shifted. And instead of getting fresh legs in the attacking side of the game, you were having to rotate players through the back line. Um, but but for Kansas City, they need to have a little bit more distinction about how they're going to play with the ball, what positions that the players need to be in, the triangles on the pitch that they need to find. And, and by triangles, I mean personnel triangles. So if Alex Luera checks back to the center back for a ball, where is the outside back going? Where is the wing back going? And where is yeah. the other six in Desiree Scott popping into those holes to create angles for Luera? So it's not just this double pass back and forth when Kansas City can't switch the ball. It's it's all about ball movement, player positioning off the ball when Kansas City's looking to build out. That's where they struggled with the most in this match. I hear you. And then hopefully we see them make a bounce back in the following week. Let's move on to the next match. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Maybe this is the one you were alluding to, Lisa, where you said the least of <laughs> the concerns oh. when it comes to in-game scenarios. All rain versus racing Louisville FC. This one ending in a 2-2 draw. All rain getting to finally play at Lumen Field, host their home opener in the regular season. Coming off of some short rest, I've played a lot of games in a lot of in a short amount of days. Racing Louisville, going up first in this one, but uh, Ciara King made it a game uh, in this match. It, it was an exciting bit of end to end in the first half, if I do say so myself. Just a little bit of what I was taking a look at. I enjoyed what I was seeing on both ends of the ball here. I like what we're seeing from this racing Louisville side. We're starting to see some differences in this team identity compared to their inaugural season in 2021. They're coming out and they're playing a little bit more. They're trying to get on teams and press a little bit, maybe a little bit more picking and choosing in this game, which is partially why I think maybe it might have ended in a bit uh, in a draw and it's in a high scoring one and at, at that, but uh, to get that early goal, I think maybe that does mm -hmm. something for a team on the road a little bit. But unfortunately, they were unable to capitalize on that during this first half because we have this brace, this four-minute brace from Z.R. King setting the tone and, and giving the rain the lead for a little bit in this, in this first half. And then they go into halftime, and it's like the reset button. Got hooked yeah. it a little bit. And here we go into the second half. And we have to talk about how this ended up being kind of leveled out because this is where some of the controversy is coming in out of this game, which for me, I think is a little bit unfortunate because we're having another game here that we have to come on this show and talk about things that maybe aren't just player performances. So here we are at the hour mark and we've got racing Louisville with a set piece. Savannah DeMello, who was a real standout player for me for racing and this match serves in a ball to the box, causes a little bit of chaos to his Joyce. The keeper for the rain gets a bit of a hand on it. Balser recognizes the movement on this ball, tries to make an attempt to make a clearance. There's a ricochet off the crossbar. A lot of activity. Some celebration from Louisville players, confusion from rain players. Yeah. And the sideline official says it's actually indeed a goal that the ball ultimately crosses the line. And it's 2-2 for the remainder of the match. Now, there's another scenario that comes into play but i want us to talk about this one for right now lisa because this is really one that is kind of having a lot of the attention on it for right now at there was a point during post game the conclusion of the match in which bethany balser actually expressed some frustration about it took to twitter about it said after the game i calmly went up to the sideline ref and asked him how he thought the ball crossed the line when i was blocking him from it and he said I'm very tall, to which, <laughs> to which I said it was still wrong. His response, yes, I might have been wrong, but it's just a goal. And then she continues to say it's just a goal, puts, you know, the, the eyeglasses emoji. So there's um, some frustration there uh, for sure, I think, in, in a multiple 
multiple ways, multiple. I mean, the, the referee you know, saying like, to Balser, I'm very tall. Uh, <laughs> I just, I didn't see it. I'm just and, saying, my guy, you, you don't have to say anything, actually. You don't to, have to respond. You don't have to respond <laughs> at all, actually, to be quite frank. Um, that's the truth. Is, you know, you can, players can go up and ask many things of the officials, and the officials can actually just keep it moving. And that's their, uh, that's their right within the game as officials of the game. Yeah. But th- this was, uh, this was again, a, 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 a bit of frustration kind of spilling over into social media. But, but Lisa, I don't know if you, you caught it. I know you had a busy evening tonight, but I did hop into some post-game availability. Yeah, well, how is Harvey? You know what? She's having a tough week. Yeah. I can't, I can hardly blame her. She didn't have a lot for you know for for the media and the post game and, and I respect that 100%. This has been quite the grind I think for this team and I think maybe they're a little bit hard you know felt a little hardened by some of the events that have occurred over the last 8 to 9 days or so. Asked at one point within this presser from some local media to to chat a little bit about it and she literally said yeah honestly i don't feel like i can say anything because i'll get fined because i'm not allowed to publicly speak about the officials that is a quote that i'm reading you know that i transcribed from this uh this post game you know and she further went on to say that i i just can't talk about it it's beyond a joke right now so there's no point in me saying anything so this is just you know you could just you can sense it. You could just tell that the yeah. team is is just sort of frustrated with these in-game moments that are very clearly impacting results of games. Oh, completely. And and affecting player safety. I mean, not necessarily this one, if it was a, a Balser own goal. I love our chat because uh, we've got a lot of opinions in here. Sorry, Bethany. It was a goal. Like, um, it was a goal. Clearly an own goal. So I love that, guys. Keep joining us on, on YouTube and in well, the chat here because I love to see it. But they, it, it's been known that the coaches used to have a group chat among themselves. Um, and, and this year, they've actually expanded that to be biweekly calls with the league to chat about certain things like Challenge Cup scheduling and, and playing the same team back to back to back in the first month of a regular season or going on the road for three weeks at a time or four weeks at a time. So they have those conversations biweekly with the league. And although Harvey can't say anything verbally in a presser like that because that's how she gets fined, when they have these biweekly calls with the league, it's, so it's all the coaches on this call talking to the league about how they can better the league, how they can grow it, and what resources the coaches need to do that. I am positive that this is going to come up and, and the officiating throughout the weekend because that's been a huge topic of conversation and not just player safety, but um, sir, referee, it's not just a goal. It's <laughs> So the difference it. between winning and losing a game and, and goal differential. There's so many different things that come out of it. And we could talk about the, the Kansas City penalty that yeah. happened. We can talk about adding extra time to that game. Yeah. Um, there's a million different things. And pro referee is very um, open to those conversations yeah. and very open to learning and explaining things. They We had a call as broadcasters with pro referee before the season that we got to ask them certain questions. What's considered a handball? What if the arms yeah. are behind the back? We got to ask questions and explain a lot of things to us. So that that open communication is there. Um, I'm I'm interested if we hear anything about this biweekly coaches call. Well, here, listen. Here's the <laughs> here's the wild thing about this for me that took place in the moment, which added some more 
chaos at the time. They initially this goal that took place, they initially called this an own goal off of Angelina, which I think further maybe <laughs> added a little bit to the confusion. Uh, and if you look at this set piece, if you go back and look at this replay, Angelina is nowhere even <laughs> in the box. She's like 21, 22 yards out. And this is all occurring within the six of, of the, of the box. And so I was like, they, that's credited to Angelina. Like, how is that even possible? But now a couple hours later, I see that it's been, uh, officially corrected it's now been credited to balser there are multiple angles on this goal and uh i think you see initially the ball hit the line and i think it's on the clearance you see balser's boot kind of tap in behind the line to try to clear it uh and perhaps maybe that is something that pro referee if they still could get nasty about it are going to look at but it's very very tough when you're calling making trying to make those calls uh, in in real time decision exactly in a split second you have to make that decision and make that call and hopefully you have a good sideline official that's on the sideline and can see and perhaps the only thing that could be blocking him um, if not a player standing on the post is the post because that's where the sideline official should be Um, I want to ask about the the back pass the the handball that happened where to save the ball off the line and then it's grabbed by Tullis Joyce thoughts on this uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that that also wasn't called. And that was very early in the game as well. Uh, I don't know if the ruling behind that is, is has something like intent that is behind it. Uh, but that's, we'll take, that's what I think it is. We'll that's have to take a little bit. And it, it technically was not a back pass. It technically yeah. was forward. forward. Uh, you know, so there's some things that come into play so on that. But that was, that was early. Yeah. That was in the first half. And then we have this moment at the hour mark where there was some confusion around there. And there was also uh, added, you know, moment where there was a foul between Katie Lund came out of the box to try to make a play on the ball as, as Balser was trying to, to go to goal. And there was no um, red that was issued there. So the argument on, from the rain bench talking about that, maybe that was, you know, a direct, you know, uh, foul and, and, you know, do- a little bit of dog so in play. And uh, you can hear on the mics and the sides and like, how oh, was that not a red? You know, there was a lot yeah. of frustration that was spewing out on this one. But uh, there's I think there's like certain there's like four or five points that you have to actually check off as an official, like mentally as an official to sort of make that r- official dog. So like red card. Um and I'm not too sure if maybe there's a, a lot of them were checked. I mean, part of it was maybe the actual distance from the player and the goal and stuff like that. So that, yes. that kind of stuff comes into consideration. Those are very difficult uh, to call. But at this point, this is like the culmination, right, at this point of, of all the other stuff prior. And it just sort of felt like it just sort of felt like it was becoming a little bit more of a mental battle for for the rain if they were looking to maybe come out as the victors on the end of this one. But it ended out in regulation is 2-2, and they're both splitting the points. So congrats to both teams, I guess, to walking away with a point. We will see what comes out in the aftermath for both of these teams in week three. We got one more to get through, though, Lisa. So let's talk about Angel City versus Orlando Pride. We got to give 
we got to give dab. We got to give proper to Orlando Pride. Congratulations to the Orlando Pride getting their first win in 2022. Their first win since September of 2021. 12 matches. It's been a long time coming. Enjoy it. And they got it on the road in Los Angeles at Bank of California Stadium where Already very early scenes have shown, shown us that this is a difficult place to play in terms of, you know, if you're the opposition and you're going in there and seeing all of the support around the the home side here. So uh, Angel City, Orlando Pride, Lisa, I know you're on the call on this one. When you were looking at perhaps maybe something like the, the starting 11s in mm-hmm. this one, uh, were there any surprises? Were there anything? Was there anything that maybe kind of tipped you one way or the other? Because I know you and I both, we had Angel City picked in this one, and we get to talk about how we were wrong. <laughs> so so perhaps if you asked me the starting lineup question when I wasn't on the call, it would have changed things. But yeah. as, as broadcasters, we get to talk to the coaches before the matches, and that gives us a lot of insight as to how players are doing in their recovery of injury or kind of what's happening. Um, the biggest surprise for Angel City for me was Allie Riley uh, being out yeah. on COVID protocol because that happened last minute. Yeah. That was a very last minute change for Angel City that happened. Um, the other one that was a last minute change was uh, Via Corta for Orlando being moved from out to questionable just an hour or so before this match kicked off. Um, we have some people in our chat asking about Simone Charlie, why she didn't start. She was listed as questionable. She's still yeah. coming back from that injury. So she's on minute management and, and training staff and Freya Coombe and um, Spencer, or excuse me, Simone Charlie decide that she's better coming off the bench and she's better in the second 45. So that those are the decisions there um, being very frank, what the coaching staff and, and training staff has expressed with us. Uh, but otherwise, no, like it, it was no surprise to see Hammond get the start in the back line for, for Riley. We've seen that rotation through a lot. Um, Megan Reed getting the start in the back line for Angel City as well. And, and when you look at Orlando. I think Sydney LaRue was maybe a bit of a surprise for me, just considering um, leading up to this match, they weren't sure how her recovery was doing, but this was her first start since March 30th. And man, is Orlando really happy to have Sydney LaRue back? Um, but uh, otherwise, pretty status quo from the lineup that we've seen from Amanda Cromwell and, and from Freya Coombe throughout the Challenge Cup and, and the opening match of the regular season. Um, June Endo, I'm, I'm glad she got the start yeah. as well. It's, it's tricky to have her in the front line because she does do so much better when she's in the center of the pitch. But that that shift did ultimately happen throughout the match in, in this one. Yeah, I feel you. When I was looking at the starting 11 on this one, I mean, it was great to see a player like Clough get some time yeah. for Orlando Pride. Uh, I mean, making a note that we're seeing a consecutive start for for Aaron McLeod in net for them uh, once more. Huge, right? Great. I'm sure they're grateful to have her uh, back in net. And obviously the return of Sydney LaRue, who has been navigating some injury for a little bit, but hopefully the time off has served her well because she got things cracking pretty early in this one. Lisa, keeping you all in the booth on your toes. We're talking yes. just minutes into Third this minute. game. Third talk minute into this match. I mean, Orlando, they started, they started hot. And and insight a little bit. Freya Coombe saying that um, – in the first regular season match for Angel City against North Carolina, they scored in the opening three minutes against North Carolina. And Freya Coombe saying she was a little bit nervous. It's it's yeah. hard to 
hold a lead that long against a yeah. team like North Carolina. And the fact that then it gets turned around and Angel City has that happen to them in the first three minutes. But the the attack that started this match for Orlando and the pressure that they immediately put on Angel City was really impressive to watch. And I think that stems from Sydney LaRue being back and, and giving that energy and that enthusiasm. Um, it was also a bit of a homecoming for Amanda Cromwell uh, at UCLA for years. A number of players, LaRue being one of them, Jenkins being another that came out of UCLA, now back in L.A., playing professionally. That's huge. Uh, but this opening goal was um, – I I think it was an own goal, honestly. Okay. Um, but it hasn't been changed yet. I mean, I would love to give the credit to Sydney Lurio. It's Mother's Day. She just had her birthday celebration yesterday. Uh, but as this ball comes whipping into the box and it gets past Heritage, which I don't even know how that happened yeah. because great goalkeeper and it slipped under her arm. But then Larue is on the back post and she shoots it. But it's it's Reed who actually kicks it and, and okay. changes the trajectory of the ball. Like, so it wasn't. So you think going, it was actual, like, n- like need into the back I of the net? I think she kicked it. I think okay. she kicked it. That's why I think it was uh, an own goal. I mean, it still hasn't been changed technically yet, so I shouldn't be saying this. It's Sydney LaRue's goal. However, <laughs> I believe that the rule is if a ball is going towards the net and it skims off another player or, or something like that, it's not considered an own goal because the ball was already heading into the back of the net before it hit anyone. But when you look at this, Reed is deliberately trying to clear the ball and she kicks it, changing complete direction of the ball. Instead of hitting the back of the net on the ground, it hits the top of the inside of the net. I don't know. It's not deemed an own goal yet, um, but, you know, this is a podcast. I get to give my thoughts. You do. And I love <laughs> to hear him and I love to talk about him with you. But I think that you're mentioning Freya Coom and, and the concept and or, or the game scenario of having to play through an early lead. And I'm I'm thinking about that in this case, but with Orlando. And I had that thought watching this game. I said, okay. This has not happened often for this team in 2022 and or in a while. Uh, what are we going to continue to to see from this from this pride side? And knowing that Angel City has some pretty pretty darn good attacking pieces of mm-hmm. their own, you know, whether it's Junendo or Kristen Press or Tyler Lucy or uh, Simone Charlie off of of the bench. Uh, getting Savannah McCaskill, you know, involved in in, in link up play with them. Oh, uh, I was a little curious. I was like, how is this going to play off? And I know there were moments throughout some of their Challenge Cup performances from Orlando Pride. Where we talked a little bit about maybe some of the physical play that we were seeing from this team. And it, is that something that's going to lead to results for them? They're going to have to figure out a way to try to, you know, uh, evolve that a little bit more. So here they are getting a very early goal in this game. And then uh, I think going ahead and maybe, you know, getting a little physical in in the game to try to ensure that Mm -hmm. they carried the victory through, you know, through the 90 minutes. I mean, ultimately, you know, the fouls maybe kind of evened out a little bit, but we're talking 13 to 15 compared to uh, Orlando and the passing, you know, between the two, also very even 316 from Angel City to, you know, 326 to Orlando Pride. 
And I'm just sort of curious about may, maybe a little bit of, you know, making sure that they tried to keep the ball just a little bit more. And if they yeah. didn't have it, maybe just <laughs> bodying up just a little bit more when they had to. It's almost like they had the goal to be able to continue to play maybe a little bit of that more physical type of game to ensure that they could try to walk away with the win. And I think obviously a ton of credit also has to go with the fact that they do have somebody like Aaron McLeod back in net because she definitely faced some oh, yeah. dangerous attempts here in the attack, but uh, happy mother's day, right? <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, Sydney LaRue getting the goal so early on and, and huge celebrations from her too. It was really fun. I know you gave a shout out to Erin McLeod. I have to double that. She had a tremendous game, um, oh, yeah. especially coming back from injury. She kept Orlando in that game a number of times. Um, I don't know if you got to see this or not or watch it on replay as many times as I did. Was Kristen Press offside? Listen, you're asking me, you're asking Sandra? Well, yeah, I want to know. I want to know your opinion. I don't think so, but I'm I'm just like everybody else watching a specific angle in a exactly. specific stadium I know. on a specific day. So, it, you know, yeah. I, it's it's one of those things where you wonder if it will. And you also wonder if something like VAR would confirm it or not, because you're talking about some technology that goes by the inch you know so who it goes who by like the sleeve of a shirt yeah, yeah. in so, the premier league here so i was I, watching I told myself like oh this is this maybe this is like what it would feel like if we had var <laughs> everyone's disappointed that it didn't count you know like exactly exactly um the, this play was really tough to watch because as you mentioned the camera angles and things like that and as um someone for this you could see like the grass marks in yeah. and how they cut the field and at, from that perspective i think she was off yeah i honestly do i think that i, I forget who it was it may have been carrie lawrence yeah. on the near side of the d maybe where, once like, i take a look at that up. angle i'll be like yeah yeah <laughs> i it was just a hair like it's it's not a lot it's not a full body's yeah. worth but it's like that shoelace the, the the egglet at the end of the shoelace you know like that's all it was but hey that's what the rule is um i think i think she was off that's that's always what it comes down to right inches blades blades of grass i think Seriously. at this point but uh what a time for nwsl early two weeks into the regular season and we made these predictions thinking that we were going to be solid and we got our first draw of the season with all rain and racing louisville we've got San Diego wave on the top of the standings. You know, we've got uh, Angel City unable to bounce back and maybe get a result out of this one after coming off of a huge home opener in franchise history. So uh, I love it here, man. This is this is what it's I about love it here. I love it here. Uh, you know, maybe next week we'll have we'll get to chat a little bit more of the game and less of the no calls or yes calls or maybe calls or what calls. But we'll see. But we'll be back as always. Thanks, everybody, for joining us as always to Attacking Third and our recaps. We appreciate you all when you join us so, so much. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. We're also available as videos. So hit subscribe right there at YouTube.com slash attacking third if you got questions for us and we'll tell you how to get them answered you actually have to go to have a podcast leave us a five-star review with your question and we'll answer during a mailbag segment lisa and i'll be back with even more nwsl action for you all during the week for sandra Reda and lisa roman this was attacking third. okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.